Hey guys, this is Ed, Paul, and Anna of Current Brand Media, and we are here to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor. Sportsball is a great subscription service geared towards minor league baseball fans. Each box features a different minor league team. You get a box every three months with minor league baseball gear, including different styles of hats like Ed's favorite, the dad hat. The cost is less than $12 a month. Proceeds from each box goes to More Than Baseball, the only nonprofit dedicated to the well-being of minor league baseball players. We all know that Parents' Days are coming up this summer. So if you've got a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa who are particularly difficult to buy for, but you know they're baseball fans, this is the answer, guys. Meet your new favorite team at sportsballbox.com. Is there anybody there? <laughs> But it's reality of the situation. You don't get paid without your special events. You don't get paid without your fans coming to the games. So, and we're at work for 15 hours a day. Might as well have fun. What's up, Deadhead Crew? Ed here. And on this episode, I gave you guys Tim Siegel. He is the head groundskeeper of the Kannapolis Cannonballers. Uh, we talked about in this first uh, part of the uh, episode uh, how he got to where he's at now. And guys, he also got to live out a dream of mine. I'm not going to tell you because you got to listen to the episode, but I'm telling you, it's all something I've always wanted to do, and he got to do it. And he also gives you a little bit of an advice about that. So without further ado, I'll give you the episode. All right. Well, I want to welcome you guys to yet another episode of the Dad Hat Chronicles. My name is Ed, and with me today, guys, I have the head groundskeeper of the Kannapolis Cannonballers, Tim Siegel. How are you doing, my friend? Doing great. How are we doing? Oh, man. I'm, you know, we were just talking right off the, you know, before we started talking to how, you know, we both have kids and, you know, they don't like to sleep or any of that fun stuff. <laughs> No, they don't, and it definitely keeps it on your toes, especially after long fifteen-hour days. <laughs> exactly, it really does. It keep you keep you on your toes, those kids, don't they? Oh yeah, definitely. All right, my friend. So, but I'm, let's let's get started here. So, let me ask you this: You know, how did you become a fan of sports? You know, obviously we we're, we you know you work in baseball, but overall in sports, how you get started with that, man? Tell me. I kind of just grew up in it, honestly. I mean, my mom grew up uh, actually down the street from Don Shula, the old coach from the Dolphins. So No way. Yeah, so growing up for her, she was a block away. She has six brothers, and they all played baseball together in the local parks. Um, so I kind of just grew up in that, and then my dad played hockey growing up. He actually didn't know anything about baseball until I came along, and it's just one of those things that fed into it, and my dad always told me that he thought um, – Baseball was just going to be a little, you know, uh, just a little thing right there until I got older. And when I got to high school, I just kept playing and never stopped. And it's just kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. And now you're working for a baseball team. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Little did he know, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that, pretty much. That's awesome. All right. So you grew up playing baseball. What position did you play? Uh, I was a pitcher and an outfielder for the most part. I was too short to play first base and I'm left-handed. So I was kind of limited to where I could be. So, you know, played a little bit of outfield, struggled a little bit with the bat. So I had to figure out how to play somehow. And I kind of just learned how to throw location. I didn't throw very hard, but I can throw over the top and I can move my arm angle down to throw submarine. And I kind of just made it 
work throughout high school and it got me through high school. And then I moved on from there. Yeah. Gotcha. So did you play uh, in college at all or no? No, I actually didn't go to college. Um, I went to nice. umpire school instead of college. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. So I've been, I've been all over the place when it comes to baseball. I've coached, I've umpired, I've been in ground. So I actually ended up going to umpire school twice, 2009 when I was 18. And then I believe it was 2011 right after that. I was on the reserve list for the minors and I did college baseball for about three or four years down in Florida. And then um, besides college baseball, I also helped. I didn't run local parks, but I was part of, you know, helping other guys learn, move up. And it was one of the, I guess you could say, bigger heads on the big tournaments and stuff that we did. So. Yeah, I, I did a lot. I went to New York for umpire and I did college leagues around. Um, I've done a lot in baseball. Hold on a second, dude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I literally was, we, we were going to talk about being a head groundskeeper and all that. And then you just throw this thing that just came way out of left field <laughs> and telling me that you were, you went to school for umpire. That's yep. amazing, dude. Yep. I started umpire when I was 14. Okay. All right. All right. So hold on. Okay. <laughs> So let's get let's let's talk about this. All right. So you went to umpiring school. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that, man. Because I'm not between you and me, and no one listens to this podcast. I want to. I've been wanting to go for the longest time to uh, to umpire school. Okay. So to start, I got we got to go backtrack to high school. How I got into it. Okay. We had in Florida, we had what was called the FCAT, which I forget what it stands for, but it was an assessment test. Yeah. They don't have it anymore because it made no sense to have. Um, basically, it was just one of those tests that they make you take that has nothing to do with school. Yeah. And we went through it all. Um, and I actually was skipping class one year. Um, okay. I believe it was my sophomore year. I was 14. So I had to be around my sophomore year in high school. I was skipping class and one of my baseball coaches saw me and they stopped me in the hallways. And they're like, what are you doing? I was like, well, we have FCAT testing. I don't need a test. It's not my year. Why am I in class? And they're like, well, you're going to end up going into indoor suspension and indoor suspension was my head coach. So I was like, all right, what do I got to do to get out of this? And my assistant coach was like, if you umpire a game for me tonight, I'll let you, um, I'll, I'll get you out. You'll go to the baseball field, hang out down there. You won't get in trouble and whatever. Cause I'm short guys. I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. So I'm in high school and next thing I know I'm going out to umpire a baseball game i had my first argument in the first inning and that's kind of all she wrote i stuck with it from there and that was it and that was my passion for a while like to to this day um i still wish i would go back i know for sure if i went back i would get a chance to go into minor league baseball as an umpire but it was just one of those things that you know it kind of didn't work out life took a couple different paths there for me and i kind of had to choose at some point in life where I was going to move on. Am I either going to stick to umpiring or am I going to end up, um, you know, trying to move on and make it. And I knew reality was making it an umpiring with instant replay and all that was going to be very limited. Um, so I kind of mm-hmm. just moved on from it, but it was, it was cool. It's actually one of the best experiences of my life is going to umpire school It's five weeks. So you're in school for five weeks. Um, and we have anybody from 18 years old, to I think the oldest person that was in my class um, that year was, I want to say in their 70s. No way. Yeah, And not everybody goes for umpiring um, to be in the minors. A lot of them go just for the experience and to learn because they do little leagues and stuff like that. And they just want to learn the game. Yeah, uh, And it's it's 
amazing. It's a brotherhood. It's absolute. It's one of the best experiences you're ever going to have. It's five weeks. You're on the beach of Florida um, in January. And if you happen to make it when you get out, then you make it when you get out um, and you move on to what's called P-Buck, which is the pro umpire camp. And you go through there and you get evaluated again. And if you make it, they put you into rookie ball or, or low A baseball, depending on what level they think you're at. Most guys mm-hmm. just go to rookie ball to start. Um, and then if you don't make it, they put you in like the Cape Cod leagues or they find another like independent league that they put you in. And then you kind of just go down the list until you get called. Then it's your turn, whether guys get released or guys get hurt, guys move on up and they have to fill in and they go through the same stuff the players do. No way. I yep. this is wild to me. Like <laughs> I'm not I, dude, I'm not kidding you. I really did look into going into into umpiring school, Do but it. like but like you, right? Life took, you know, yep, yep, turns and then here I am doing yep. a podcast talking to you, you know, me thinking that I was gonna we're gonna talk about hate groundskeeping and all that fun stuff. And no, we're we're starting our, our a conversation about umpiring. Yep. If you have the chance to do it, do it. I mean, no matter it's it's when I went, it was right around five grand. So it's a little expensive. It's not the cheapest thing in the world. I mean, you gotta look at it as a grand a week, but that got me my room and board in there. Um, you know, you have your food options and everything else that they give you in there, your basics and whatnot. And it, it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. It teaches you a lot about baseball. There's a lot you didn't know. Um, when I go, sometimes I'll jump on the broadcast with Dan Haloti, the voice of the Cannonballers, mm-hmm. and we'll start talking about some of it or we'll go over different things in in um, in our meetings and stuff. And I'll start coming out with some of the rules because I know what they are. And it just gives you a different perspective. It helps you understand the game better. And honestly, it's helped me all the way around with groundskeeping as well, because I know what umpires are looking for. So I know how to help them out for that. When we have other events, college events and things, I know how to help out with grounds crew or grounds crew grounds rules, excuse me, and go over the grounds rule with them in a professional manner. So when I'm on the field, you know, I don't just sound like this regular old groundskeeper out there. Like, yeah, the ball can get out of play over here and go there. No, I can go through a full plate meeting with everything in a professional manner and, you know, give a little more of that experience for the high school coaches and college coaches coming in. That's amazing, yeah. man. Yeah. That's it's awesome. Cool. So you would definitely recommend someone to go in there and do it. If they have the 100%. opportunity and the money going umpire school, hundred percent. And if you can't necessarily afford umpire school, look where MLB does. Um, you have, cause right now it's the Wendell set umpire school and you have, I believe P-Buck has their own umpire school. Now there was a third one, but that one broke off. Um, but those two umpire schools, they do coast classes around the country. Mm-hmm. And they're not, obviously they're not in detail as in detailed and they're only about a week long, but if you have a chance to do one of those, it's worth it. Cause the amount of knowledge you're going to gain, the amount of stuff you're going to gain is insane. And honestly, the first two weeks of umpire school to me are the funniest because the stuff that they teach you at the very beginning is absolutely hilarious because you're like, why is it that on my first day of umpire school, are they teaching me how to take my mask off? That's what you learn the first week is how to take your mask off. How to come around the catcher and run down the run down first baseline? <laughs> well, yeah, I can see that, right? I can I can see it's yeah. like you know, so not, you're not you're not interfering with mm-hmm. with somebody, so that makes sense. I get that. Mm-hmm. Take the mask off so that way you're still able to see. Yep. Interesting, and make sure your hat doesn't come off. If you take your hat off and your hat comes off, you know you lose some points there. The umpires have their little things that go on, you know, um, like little, we call them fine. So it's like five bucks, 10 bucks here, there that you kind of do as a crew because you're on the same crew the whole season. Yeah. So when you're traveling and you're on that same crew, you do your little fines, 
like I dropped my indicator today, you know, what, what you hold for balls and strikes, I dropped it. So that's, you know, five bucks. Um, if I make, if I get the baseball to stick on top of the pitching rubber perfectly, every, the whole crew owes me a steak dinner type deal. And you do different things like that, put that money into a pot end of the season, everybody goes out, you know, to the bar or whatever. And you put all that money together and just have some fun at the end of the season before everybody breaks off. That's pretty cool, man. I like that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. So first week is literally learning how to take your mask off. Yep. Hat mask. Hat mask. Okay. <laughs> and then how to run around the catcher. So that way you're not interfering with the game. Pretty much. You learn the you learn the very basics, making sure your hat doesn't come off when you take the mask off, learning how to get your mechanics proper. Um, everything is uniformed in school. So what you see on the field is not what they teach you. They we kind of call it the robot. Because if you watch low A baseball, they are umpire school. Basically, they start as robots until they grow out of it because they have to be able to gaze, gauge, grade everybody. Mm -hmm. So as they try to grade you and gauge how good you are, or how bad you are and whatnot, they keep everybody uniformed. And then as you move up, they tell you to gain your own personality and you're no longer a robot. And now you move on and you create your own personality and that's how everybody learns it. But yeah, you learn first week, you're learning how to take your mask off without losing your hat. You're learning how to clean your shoes and make sure they're clean. You're learning to make sure that your belt is shine. Um, sh clothes are not wrinkled. You know, the, the proper way to hold everything. Like it's, it's there. And people that were in the military say that it's worse than, um, that it's worse than boot camp sometimes because of how strict that they get on you and how you have to do it and all the running and everything you're doing. It's more than just calling balls and strikes safe and outs. Man, <laughs> this is wild to me, man. Yeah, so wild. That's but that's cool though, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, like you, you, we all are just you know we we like to yell at umpires, right? Because oh, that's yeah. the easy target, mm -hmm. you know. And 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 you're like you just get angry. Was like why why you miss that? But you're like you feel like you know their pain because like you've been there and you've mm -hmm. done it. Yep. That's so, cool. it, so I take it a little more personal too, because when I see umpires, you know, screwing up on the field on their basic fundamentals, I'm like, dude, like it's not that hard. Like mm -hmm. your basic fundamentals are not hard. The hard part of the game is handling your situations that you encounter with arguments and stuff like that. But calling safe and outs, balls and strikes. I mean, that should be simple. Being able to get into your positioning is simple. So when I see some of those things on the field, you know, it, it, it gets a little irritating, um, but I've been out of it for a little bit. So some of those mechanics have changed. So I have to remember that too. Sometimes like, okay, they've changed some of the things up. I have to remember and take a step back a little bit before, you know, yeah, I start to criticizing because their things have changed. Interesting. Mm-hmm interesting okay all right all right i can see that right i can see you know there's some things that didn't change but at the same time some don't right like i mean some right. of the mechanics are mm -hmm. gonna be there pretty much man this is cool i start this whole like, like i said <laughs> i was not thinking that we were gonna talk about you know yep. you <laughs> name fired. it i've probably done it in, i'm only 31 and i've only been in minor league baseball for a little bit but you name it i've probably done it on a baseball field that's cool. All right, so tell me, man. Okay, so you got out of there. You did that. Didn't work out. Like you know, how did you get to be in 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 groundskeeping? Like, I mean, I mean, is that something that you just wanted to do? Like, what happened? So growing up, I always wanted to be on the field. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to do it, why I wanted to do it, what the case was. I knew I was going to be on a baseball field somewhere. I just didn't know how. Mm -hmm. And when umpiring didn't work out, I actually became. Um, I was actually doing loss prevention for Macy's. 
So I was undercover watching cameras, catching people shoplift. Mm-hmm. And it just, you know, it was fun. I loved it. It was a, it was a lot of fun catching people, but it wasn't the best thing in the world for me. And then I ended up losing my job there and I didn't know what to do. I was working with my dad and my dad's like, well, just start sending an email out to like the Marlins and stuff and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So it was eight o'clock at night and I find out that um, an old announcer had passed for the Marlins. So I wanted more detail somehow out of the blue, trying to figure out information about somebody passing. I came up with the head groundskeeper, Chad, who's like a father to me now. Um, I came across his email and at eight o'clock at night, I'm just like, yo, like, do you have any positions open? This is middle baseball season. We're like two weeks away from the all-star break in 2016. And I'm like, do you have anything available? And he's like, yeah, come in for, um, fill out some paperwork, come in for an interview and we'll talk. So I did that. I met with, uh, the guy that's underneath him, his assistant. And I went in for an interview and we went over everything. And next thing I know, I'm walking onto a baseball, a major league baseball field for the first time, just going out to work on ground screw, no experience at all. I mean, only what I knew in high school and I picked it up right there. And I realized instantly that this is what I wanted to do. And I kind of just jumped on it and started picking the brains as much as I can in 2016, worked that half season. And then 2017 rolled around and I jumped right into the fire. I worked the WBC in 2017. I worked wow. the all-star game. I painted the logos. The logos and the all-star game were the first things I've ever painted on an athletic sports field. So I got to paint the logos for the all-star game in 2017. Um, and I kind of just moved on up, took it by, took the bull by the horns, asked as many questions as I could and made it work. That's cool though. So you were there for the WBC, which by the way, it's, I love the WBC. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the greatest tournaments there is, right? Every country and stuff like that. So that's awesome. I'm actually headed down there on Wednesday. No way. (laughs) Are you? I book, I couldn't do it because I've of work and I was getting pissed off because I've never missed the WBC in Florida. Every single one in Florida I've attended, whether it was a fan or working. And I told Chad, I messaged Chad again and I'm like, yo, do you still have a spot available? And he goes, yeah, book your flight. So I went on actually about two hours ago and I booked my flight and I'm headed to the WBC with my wife and my son on Wednesday. And I'm going to work from Wednesday until the end of it and then come right back and get ready for our season. That's <laughs> this is wild. Yeah, life takes a lot of wild turns. Sometimes you just I, I tell my wife that all the time. My wife's from Venezuela, so she everything for us is wild i mean when i tell you wild it's i met her parents for the first time a couple weeks ago and we've been married for four years going on four years now so my life is wild it's geared around baseball and that's how we do it that's pretty cool okay so you started with the marlins right how long were you there with the marlins i was there about a year and a half two years Mm -hmm. um 16 to 17 and then once i realized it's what i wanted to do i actually would drive an hour every day on non-game days for the Marlins to go to the ballpark of the Palm Beaches after it was first built, where the Astros and National Spring Training site is. And I did was there for six months in the summer just to get an idea of what a day-to-day life is like. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they have a lot more tournaments and everything that I want to do, but I needed to learn the day-to-day life up there. So I did mm-hmm. that for about six months. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I knew what I wanted to do, but the fit there was just wasn't for me. Great atmosphere, great everything. Everything was great out there, but it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. So from there, I was like, all right, what do I do? What do I do? So I'm on um, the Sports Field Management Association website, which is for all the groundskeepers and whatnot out there. It's our association page. And I saw the Orioles in Sarasota were hiring at their spring training site. So I was like, oh, let me throw out a message out there. So I sent an email out there talk to Chad, talk to um, the other guys, the supervisors and whatnot out there. And they're like, yeah, it'd be a great opportunity. Um, 
if you can get it, go ahead and do it. We're going to hate you for leaving at this point in the season, but you know what? You got to do what you got to do for your career. And Chad gave me great, uh, great input to the manager that was out there, put in a great word for me. And I went out there and I was there for a year, um, moved on up there. Me and my wife had been together for six months at the time, I think. And I was like, well, I'm going out there. So are you coming or not? And she mm -hmm. was like, yeah, sure. And, and at that time I had in 17, right before the all-star break, I actually had lost my dad. So I was in that state of mind where mm -hmm. I need to do something with my life. I can't sit in my mom's house at 26 years old, 27 years old, doing nothing. I mm -hmm. need to move on. Yeah. So, you know, we picked up, we left, we went to Sarasota. I was there for a year. I worked a full spring training, um, there got my feet wet, learned a lot. And then from there, I went to IMG Academy, which is one of the biggest high school academies in the world. Yeah, uh, I was there for I was there for about a year and a half. Uh, learned a lot of irrigation out there. I learned. I actually went there to learn a bunch of different sports. So I got away from baseball for about a year and a half, two years, to work on soccer fields, baseball fields, how to or soccer and baseball, football fields, how to set up lacrosse, how to work. Uh, when COVID hit, I had to jump over to their golf course. Um, so I was jumping all over the place, helping out on 360 acres of sports fields, uh, moving around, even going over to landscape. And I was there for a while. And then, you know, I got to that point in my career where I was like, okay, I know how to do most of this stuff. I can, there's not much more for me to learn at this point. It's, I need to learn how to move up now. How do yeah. I do the management side? How do I budget? How do I manage people? How do I manage, um, chemicals and different things like that, that go into it. So I applied online at the same website with sports field management association. And there was a spot open with the cannonballers. And at that time I actually had seven different applications in seven different States. I mm -hmm. mean, I was all over the place. I was just trying to see who's going to give me an opportunity and I was going to take a couple assistant jobs, but they were, you know, that, but the pay wasn't the greatest, but I was like, well, if I take this chance, you know, I got two years and I can go on. And I apply, I was applying for the cannonballers and I was hesitant as I'm sending the application and I'm being told by Chad and a couple other guys that I've worked for and whatnot that were helping me out. And they're like, just do it. Like, you're not ready to be a head guy yet, but you're also, you don't know until you do it. So just take the leap of faith and go do it. Like the rest of us have done it, grab mm -hmm. the bull by the horns and move on. And that's what I did. And, um, I flew up here for and actually flew up here for an on the job interview. So I didn't even have a formal interview because they had lost their groundskeeper eight days before the season started and they mm -hmm. had no groundskeeper for the inaugural season. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. No groundskeeper for the inaugural season. They're scrambling to get stuff. They're interviewing me and <clears throat> they were like, Hey, do you think you can make it out here? And I was like, yeah, I just got to talk to my boss. I don't want to, you know, burn bridges there. He's like, all right, let me know. So I talked to my boss and he looked at me and gave me the same look. He's like, we don't want to lose you, but you got to do what you got to do. Called them back and they said, yeah, um, you, you'll have uh, plane tickets in your email in about 10 minutes and you'll be up here on Thursday. And that was on a Tuesday. So I flew wow. up. I flew up on a Thursday to Sunday. I worked it out. I sat with my wife and on the phone and because she couldn't make it up. My son was only six months at the time. Mm -hmm. So she couldn't make it up and we're just going over everything. And next thing I know, I'm here. That's cool, man. <laughs> yep, yep. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of pick up and move. It's a lot of, you know, figure it out. If I, mm -hmm. I can't stress enough, like my whole life is just figure it out. And that's kind of just what I've done is figured it out. So, so do you feel like you, you are pretty much established there for at least, at least a little bit with the cannonballers? Yes. 
Oh yeah. hundred percent. I'm on a, uh, right now I'm on kind of, I'm on, where am I at? I'm on year three of a five-year plan. Um, mm-hmm. I need to be established financially and I need to make sure that I'm established physically and mentally for me, my wife and for my son. Cause once he gets into, you know, school and whatnot, he's in daycare now, but once he starts school, I don't want to have to pick up and leave. So we've got this five-year deal that we agreed on and if hopefully it works out and if it does, you know, we're kind of staying here. I don't plan on leaving. I mean, I was happy to get out of Florida as soon as I could. And <laughs> yeah. Not a big fan of Florida. I'm not a big fan going back, but going back to work to WBC is a big uh, reason. No, that's cool. Back. That's yeah. Like you got to take that opportunity, right. <laughs> to go back and, and, and work for the WBC. Cause it's, it's a big tournament. Like if you oh, put yeah. that on your resume, mm-hmm. that's legit right there. Yep. And I'm hoping to actually get in deeper into it. So that's one of the reasons I'm going back. Um, You know, we have Nick Pappas, who's with who's the head groundskeeper for the Mercedes Benz for the Atlanta Falcons. Mm -hmm. And I see what he's done to get in with the NFL. And he's now one of the head guys for all their international games and stuff. So I've watched him do it. And I worked with him in Miami and I've watched him do it and I've idolized that. So I'm like, you know what? I need to do this with the WBC. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to make sure I get my feet wet, no matter how much money it's going to cost me. And I'm going to make this work. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, that's what we're doing to go down there. Cause I'm hoping one day I can make that and get the phone call to say, Hey, we're shipping you out to Taiwan for the WBC this year. Um, move on. So that's what I'm hoping to get my foot in the door and do. That's pretty cool. So, so let's, let's talk about your day to day, right? Cause I'm sure you say like, you know, as a, as a groundskeeper now as a head groundskeeper, you got more than just dealing with, with the field itself there i'm sure there's a lot of other things that you have to deal with on a daily basis so walk me through like your typical day uh, i usually get there about 8 30 in the morning that's kind of when i settle in check my emails um you know kind of see what we've got going on and do the day and start the day um a lot of guys usually have a plan when they go into it me with as wild as my life is, I kind of just show up and see how I'm feeling for the day. Unless there's something I have to do. I usually don't make my day plan until I kind of show up. I wait for my seasonal assistant to show up at nine o'clock and we kind of go over what we want to do. Um, there's so much that needs to be done on a field. You're never going to, you're never done. There's always an irrigation problem. There's always grass problems. There's always field problems. You just kind of don't know. Um, so I just kind of show up and get ready on a non game day, you know, move stuff around the track, reorganize, see what I can do to make everything better down there. And then on, and kind of just move forward from there. And on a game day, we come in and start getting set up, check mound and plates, make sure everything is set there. Check our bullpens, make sure we're set there. Uh, team usually starts rolling in somewhere around 11 or 12. And we check out there, see what they're doing for their schedule. Grass should be dried up um, at that point. And we'll have our morning meeting somewhere around 10 in that mix too. So I'll go up and check that out. And then we start mowing. Uh, mow out the field, get everything set for the game and start setting up for batting practice. And it's kind of the same repetitive process during the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing really changes. It's just kind of the same thing going on unless something changes. That's pretty cool. So you go in and you're like, all right, so let's see some of the things that got to get done. I got to get mm-hmm. this done. What about the off season, right? I'm sure like there's some things that you have to do during the off season. That's, you know, and just maintenance related. Oh yeah. So, I mean, we go, I go through, um, I actually have a mechanic that comes in cause I'm not the most mechanically inclined person, but we have a season ticket holder who actually comes in and we work out a deal with him with season tickets and doing mechanic operations and stuff with this. 
uh, which is kind of cool and a blessing for me because he, he works at a golf course and he knows everything that we work with. So he's a lot smarter than I am on that. So I go over things with him, machinery and everything like that. I look to see how I can enhance for the next season, whether it's moving equipment around to make it easier for my staff or cleaning out um, the warehouse and whatnot to make sure the shop and everything to make sure everything's good there. Uh, this year I added a bunch of warning track material because the field was due. Uh, we do our laser grade. I just finished the laser grade actually this week to level out the infield again and make sure we're ready to go for the season, flipping home plates, pitching rubbers, rebuilding anything I have to rebuild there. And then I kind of really just jump over once um, we have a lot of special events up until the end of October. So I don't really slow down until November, December, January time. And then I kick back up in February. So at those points is when I kind of break off and I won't even, honestly, I don't even work too much past one or two o'clock. Um, I mm -hmm. come home to be with the family and catch back up with them after being at work for so long. Um, and I'll jump over and help with operations and special events and whatever they need. And Honestly, I jump in the mascot costume more than anything, and I go help at different schools and different events that we have for Christmas parades and all that type of stuff during the off season. Yeah. I might even do it during season sometimes if we need one. Um, but it's just kind of that, just kind of filler wherever it's at. But most of it, I'm just kind of trying to get back with getting to know my wife again, getting to know my son again on a different level other than a baseball field. Hey, ain't that the truth, right? Because <laughs> they're, the, they're there to support you as well. Cause you're there, you know, working. Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. That's pretty wild though. That's pretty wild. So it's like funny. Cause like, you know, you said, it's like, Oh, I'll get on the mascot and all this stuff. I'm like, if that is so minor league right there, <laughs> it, it, that's not minor league baseball. I don't know what is. I was like, what's your title? Like, oh, I'm, I'm the head groundskeeper, but I'm also the mascot. And I love I also, it though. Yeah. I'm probably one of the few that volunteer to get in the suit. I think I'm the only one that'll get in the suit on a Sunday afternoon game at one o'clock in the heat of the summer to do it. I mean, I in love North doing Carolina, it. Yeah. man, it gets hot here. Yeah, I mean, I'm used to the heat and actually boomers suit is actually pretty cool because it's a race suit. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really not that hot. It's more humid than anything, mm -hmm. but it's a lot of fun. I mean, to, to see some of the kids faces come out when they see you come out and to see, everything within the community because the community we have here in Kannapolis is absolutely amazing. It's like a yeah. movie. I like describe it as a movie. I mean, everybody knows each other. Everybody understands each other out here. And without that, I mean, without the fans, number one, I don't get paid. I get paid because fans are coming to games. Absolutely. So we're going to, we're going to make that experience one way or another, whether I have to do it myself or, you know, we do it as a whole front office or whatever it takes. We're going to make sure that we can make that fan experience the best that we can. And I know it sounds politically correct, but it's reality of the situation. You don't get paid without your special events. You don't get paid without your fans coming to the games. So, and we're at work for 15 hours a day. Might as well have fun. I mean, you got to have fun. Got to, got to, it's too long of work days. That's awesome, dude. I love that. Right. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. the fact that like you find, you, you know, that like you're there because of the fans, you're there mm -hmm. because somebody's paying the ticket or somebody's buying a yep. hat you know, like myself. <laughs> yeah. Right? So it's like one of those things where it's just, it's cool to see that people do appreciate, you know, uh, the fans because it's, it's a, it's a family game at yep. the end of the day. Yep. That's yeah. awesome. All right. So during, so you obviously you, you, you prep, right. You're, you're done, you know, prepping for the game during the game, you know, like, are you keeping an eye on some of the things that's going on in the field? <laughs> Like, what are you doing during that time? 
I'm praying nothing happens on the field. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm praying. So let's just go ahead and put this one into perspective. Number one, we haven't had a rain out in two years since I've been there. Um, thank God. We have thrown the first pitch of every single game since I've been there. Uh, only one game has been suspended due to rain, and that's because we got stuck on the tarp. Nothing we could do is the way the weather works in North Carolina. Um, but I'm honestly praying nothing happens. So last year, we su- we switched over to the 18-inch bases in all of minor league base. Well, I had them when I was in rookie ball with the Orioles, so I already knew about them. Um, but Wait, hold year- on a second. You're telling me that these bases were bigger already and people are making a big deal out of this when we've already been doing it in the minor leagues? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I've been laughing oh, at crazy. this. I've, I've been know, laughing right? at this forever. I'm like, <laughs> we got more problems to worry about in baseball with the changes that are happening than we do with these with these bases. Just leave the bases alone <laughs> at this point. I mean, there's so many other problems we need to be worrying about the way the game is changing than these freaking bases. I love but, it. I know, I know, I know. You want to know what happens next, and you gotta wait till next week. I know, right? Ed, that's just Haru, right? But here's what you can do in the meantime. What you can do is you can go on the Cannonballers website and buy their merch. Or if you're around here in North Carolina, you can buy a ticket and go watch them. That's right. You can do that. Or you know what? How about this? Even better. Wherever you're at, buy a ticket and buy their merchandise because that's how minor league baseball survives and we are all doing our part. I also want to thank Tim for coming on the podcast. I had a blast. I know, right? He got to be an umpire. I've always wanted to do that. I don't know why. I think it's cool. Uh, But you know what? One of these days, I'll make sure to do that. But guys, before I go and I get and you guys go and do your own thing, I got to give you guys the dad joke of the episode. And here it is. What do you call Napoleon getting hit by a cannonball? Napoleon blown apart. All right. All right. I see myself out. And until then, guys, keep on grinding and always support the minor leagues. See ya. This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media. Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you and players, coaches, GMs on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport. I'm Paul Caputo, and on the Baseball by Design podcast, I talk to minor league baseball teams, designers, and other super interesting people about what these minor league baseball logos mean. And I talk a little bit about ice cream helmets. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna Tomaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series. And in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy. This is Patrick. And Corey. Of BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball. So get on the site and find a team near you today. Learn more about Curve Brim Media at curvebrimmedia.com.